And so again, we're in Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 6 to 7 today, which is a prophecy roughly 700 years before Christ's birth, which is what we just celebrated. And it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so first and foremost here, uh, the prophet wrote, for to us a child is born, in verse 6, to us a son is given, which is what we just celebrated at Christmas. And that is that Jesus was truly man and truly God, and therefore able to save us. Speaking of his deity, John 1, 1 to 2 says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. That's speaking of Jesus. And then speaking of his humanity, John goes on to say in verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus' beginning was not merely 2,000 years ago. He has always existed as co-eternal God. And roughly 2,023 years ago now, he chose to put on flesh as Emmanuel, God with us. And so to to that, understand that he had to put on humanity so that through death he could, one, destroy the one who has the power of death deliver people from slavery, and also help those who are being tempted. Hebrews 2, 14 to 18 says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, speaking of Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And so according to God's preordained purpose, Purposes and plans, uh, Jesus Christ put on flesh and he died to destroy, again, the one who has the power of death, deliver people from slavery and help those who are being tempted. And a lot more could probably be said about that uh, on another day. But for today, understand, uh, if he didn't put on humanity, he wouldn't have through death destroyed, delivered, and helped. But he did to the praise of God's glorious grace. Uh, But that doesn't mean he put off his deity. He was truly man and truly God. And it's important to understand that he was truly deity as well because he is the only sufficient sacrifice for all people who believe in all places, in all ages. Hebrews 9, 11 to 14 says this, when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands that is not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. 
For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, speaking of old covenant sacrifices, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God, which in short means that Jesus Christ sacrifice was sufficient because it was infinite and eternal for all people who believe in all places and in all ages. No other sacrifice would suffice. You know, I was having a conversation once with a person and they said, well, how could his sins pay for mine? You know, that's, that's not fair and blah, blah, blah. But understand it, it, It's the infinite and eternal sacrifice of the Lord God, Emmanuel with us. He wasn't just some man. He wasn't just some animal, which all those sacrifices pointed to. He was the infinite and eternal one who sacrificed himself for our sins. And that's why his sacrifice is sufficient, able to deliver, able to destroy, able to help and able to save because he was truly human and he was truly God. And so on this day in 2023, first day, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is still true. And so as Christ followers, that's something to marvel at. That's something to rejoice in if there's nothing else to rejoice in as we look back on the holidays or 2022. What we do and can rejoice in is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever truly human and truly God, the sufficient sacrifice for our sins. And so uh, Psalm 118, 22 to 24 says this, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day. And that's the day this verse is talking about that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, yes, we're to rejoice in every day and be glad in it. Every day is the day that the Lord has made. But in the context of Psalm 118, it is talking about the day that the stone, Jesus Christ, was rejected. But he became the cornerstone as our sufficient and infinite sacrifice. This is marvelous and it's something to rejoice at here today. If for nothing else there is to rejoice in, there is joy in Jesus. And that's something to marvel at as you would marvel at a mountaintop or a sunset. Jesus Christ is marvelous and he is to be rejoiced. And because his sacrifice is sufficient for you, for me and all those who believe in all ages and all places. And if you have not believed, listen to what Jesus says in John 6, 40. This is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. And so if you have not believed, look and live today, right? As the old hymn says, look to Jesus now and live. Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? The just penalty for our sin before a holy God is death. And that includes eternal death, shut out from his presence in hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so repent and believe the gospel today if you haven't, for he is marvelous and he is something to rejoice in. Truly man and truly God. Furthermore, this text says the government shall be upon his shoulder. And this is twofold. Uh, One, right now, he is currently carrying us, his people. And scripture references us as his holy nation. 
on his shoulder. And, and that means he's our king. He's our king. He's our Lord. He's our leader. And not to mention the lover of our souls who laid down his life for us while we were his enemies to make us his family. That is, while we were shooting arrows at his kingdom, he died for us to make us a part of his kingdom. Romans 5, 10 to 11 says, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the king whose shoulder as his holy nation we are on. Again, this is something to marvel at and rejoice in because we're no longer enemies of the state but kingdoms or citizens of his kingdom. Something to marvel at and rejoice in. At the same time, understand, not everyone recognizes him as, as sovereign overall, right? We know that to be true. No, there are many people and governments in this world that reject his kingship and his kingdom, but that does not mean he is not sovereign over all. For at the appointed time, the king will return. And in so doing, he will demonstrate his sovereign rule and reign over all by gathering his elect, vanquishing his enemies, making wars to cease and his people to feast for all eternity. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 says, then comes the end, speaking of that time, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And so in light of the already, but not yet kingdom that is to come, as we face this day, as we face this week, as we face this year, let our focus be on seeking, savoring, and serving our king. You know, we're all making goals and refocusing and reorienting, maybe not all, but some. Uh, let, let our number one goal, that's all good and all, but let our number one goal be to, serve, to seek, savor, and serve the king of kings and lord of lords who was he is, and he is to come. Psalm 94, 1 to 3, speaking of seeking and savoring our king, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all God's. And so let's seek him with all confidence and diligence and savor him. And also, as Matthew 6.33 says, let's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Kevin talked about this a little bit last week, but we, we, we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness by, by living as he lived ultimately, right? The, the kingdom of God is upside down. The first will be last and the last will be first. Our goal this year shouldn't be to be first. It should be to be last, serving, seeking, and savoring our king in the light as he is in the light. And that includes in his righteousness, not for his righteousness, for we're saved by grace through faith. This is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Furthermore, understand our king, Isaiah says, is called Wonderful Counselor. When I think of the word wonderful, I think of my, my wife. It's her birthday today, by the way, New Year's Day. Kind of just totally overlooked. We all forgot about it, usually like every year. No, I'm just kidding. She was the first set of twins 
1987. She's okay with me telling the year. First set of twins to be born in Rochester in 1987. I guess some, you know, single baby beat her out before, you know. But she was the first set of twins. I say that because she's wonderful. I love her. There's also uh, my children who I love. I love sunsets. Haven't seen those in a while. Uh, I love mountain views. I love toes in the sand. Uh, That's great, right, at the beach. Well, understand, Jesus, our king, who we're talking about today is wonderful. He's on a whole nother level of wonderful, for he's the creator of all that is wonderful. Now, yes, sin has marred his once good creation, but by his grace, there is still remnants, remnants of what is and what is to come, for he is wonderful. And the same is said with his counsel which is not the same as therapeutic counsel, but kingly counsel. Now, yes, God's word nourishes us and and, and whatnot, but but this is more so talking about his authoritative counsel that we are to follow in all things as his people in 2023 and beyond. Psalm 32.8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Psalm 73.24, you guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory whom I have in heaven but you. And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's our king. And he is a wonderful king, a wonderful counselor. And so as Christ followers this year, there's a lot of words in this world. Let's follow his first and foremost. Let's not despise his word and instead walk in the world's. No, let us delight in our wonderful counselor and his wonderful words. Psalm 119, 24 says, your testimonies are my delights. They are my counselors. This doesn't mean... Following Christ's counsel will always be easy, but it will always be right in its end life. And so again, let's aim to follow our wonderful counselor's words today, tomorrow, and forever in all things, not just what we pick and choose, but in all things, let's follow our wonderful counselor's words rather than this world's words that are perishing. 1 John 2, 17, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's delight in our wonderful counselor and his words today and forevermore. For he's not only our wonderful counselor, he's our mighty God. He's our mighty God, which is an emphasis on his strength and again, his deity. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3 speaks to both. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so Hebrews here, again, reiterates the deity of Christ and and in so doing highlights his power as mighty God in that he is upholding the whole universe simply by the word of his power. Like that's might. I can't even get my kids to obey by the word of my mouth. Yet God is upholding 
the whole universe by the word of his power, who after making purification for our sins, it says, rose to life and ascended to sit at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is our mighty God. Romans 8, to 34 says this, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us what does this mean well it means that we can cast off condemnation today tomorrow and as we live all the days of 2023 and beyond and instead live in the affirmation of Christ's justification at all times for no one can snatch us from his mighty hand for he is mighty God. Hebrews 10 14 says by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Does this mean we sin that grace abounds? God forbid scripture tells us but it does mean as 1 John 2 2 says uh, my little children I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So like No, we should not sin. But if anyone does sin, which we do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. That is the atoning sacrifice. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Again, speaking of his infinite and sufficient sacrifice. And so as Christ followers, we're not to sin, no, but when we do, we're also not to sit in condemnation. As 1 John 1, 9 says, we're to simply confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's not for salvation, but for sanctification. For his sacrifice is perfect for all time, it says, those who are being sanctified. And so understand our mighty God is never going to let anyone or anything snatch us from his hand. And so as we live this day, yes, we shouldn't sin. And when we do, we should confess our sins, but also understand he's never going to leave us or forsake us. He is mighty God and no one, not even our sin can snatch us from his hand. And so as we live this day, this year, let us again live in the affirmation of Christ's justification at all times because he is mighty God and no one can snatch us from his hand. This also speaks to the fact that he's everlasting father. If you're wondering, that sounds too good to be true. It's not, it is true. And it's because he is everlasting father. Now this doesn't mean he is the first person of the Trinity, which is uh, made up of one God and three persons, right? God is father, son, and Holy Spirit. What it does mean rather is that the everlasting one, the second person of the eternal Trinity loves his people with everlasting fatherly love from everlasting to everlasting. And therefore his name is everlasting father. Just think about that for a second. Christ has loved you from everlasting to everlasting. And, And that's why he's called here our everlasting father. And he's not like us imperfect fathers. Right? He loves us with perfect love. He's never going to give up on us. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He's never going to not act in love towards us, even in his correction. No, he's going to finish the good work he started in us, and nothing can separate us 
from his love. Now that doesn't mean there's, there won't be pain in this life. We all know there is, but it does mean that Christ, if you are his, will be standing right there in the rain with us and for us, no matter what, for he is our everlasting father who collects our tears in jars as a picture of his love for us. And so let's not miss it. He's our everlasting father who, by the way, will one day wipe away all of our tears in his perfect time. In the meantime, understand Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is true yesterday, today, and forever. And so again, that's something to rejoice in, marvel at, and rest assured in because it is true. Lest we, what, despair or look to all the wrong places as we all have so many times for the love that we can only find in Christ who is our everlasting father who loves us with an everlasting love. And so again, lest we despair or look to all the wrong places for love, let's rest assured in our everlasting Father's love today, who is also the Prince of Peace, this text tells us. And, and, and maybe you're wondering, well, is he a king or is he a prince? And the answer is both. Uh, he is the King of Kings that reigns and Lord of Lords, but he's also a prince in the sense that he brings us peace with God. He brings us peace with God. And, and, and in the end, he's going to bring peace uh, when he vanquishes his enemies for all, as, as was mentioned. But first and foremost, understand, uh, I, I, I learned most of my history from uh, Netflix, okay? I learned most of my history from Netflix. And in my Netflixing, uh, I have discovered that many princes would marry princesses uh, from other lands to what? Create peace between the countries or prosperity. Well, understand, we were at war with Jesus. We talked a little bit about this already. And what has he done? He has married us, right? The not so beautiful bride. And he has made us beautiful in his eyes. And he has brought us peace with God because he's the Prince of Peace. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why he's called the Prince of Peace. That's important. However, also understand we're not only in positional peace with God, but we're in relational peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 6 to 7, therefore says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he is the Prince of Peace who has brought us positional peace with God and who we can draw near to God through with all confidence each and every day. This isn't a one-time thing. Just like we ate yesterday, we're all going to eat today, I imagine. Well, Coming to the Lord and, and, and casting our cares upon him and not being anxious, that's, a, that's an everyday battle that we have to fight. But understand we fight it in faith, knowing that 
in prayer, that is casting our cares on him and supplication, asking of him and with thanksgiving, basking in him, we, as we let our requests be made known to him, the peace of God, if you are his, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And again, this is a daily, daily battle and pursuit. And so let's endure. Let's endure, right? Many people are signing up for gyms right now. That's great, right? Planet Fitness. Uh, I, I told myself I wasn't going to say this joke, but I'm more of a, a Pizza Planet kind of guy, you know? But um, people are signing up for Planet Fitness and who else, whatever names of gyms there are. And that's great. It's great. Uh, being healthy is great. But a lot of people, what happens? They fall off the wagon. Uh, and that, that's not the goal in our race. Right? We're to run the race with perseverance and endurance that God has set before us with all hope, with all hope. Because get this, Isaiah 9, 7 says of the increase of his government, that is the government of Christ and of peace, there will be no end. It's not futile race that we're running on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, of which he has, right? Jesus came and Jesus conquered. And Jesus is going to come again to rule with perfect righteousness and justice according to the zeal of the Lord of hosts, which is the same zeal that he hung on the cross for our sins with. And so as we wait as his holy nation for the coming of his kingdom in full, we're to endure with all patience and confidence and hope. And as we've talked about enduring by marveling and rejoicing in his perfect and sufficient sacrifice, seeking, savoring and serving our King, delighting in his word, standing firm in his justification, resting assured in his love, anxious for nothing every day of 2023. That's the goal. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known to God and what the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says this as we close. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, our King of kings, our Lord of lords, our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of peace, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is what? Seated at the right hand of the throne of God, ruling and reigning and is to come. If you know him, rejoice, marvel, and endure as you run the race today and in 2023. And if you don't know him, again, come to the king. He is beautiful. He is wonderful. Turn from your sins. Believe the gospel that he died on the cross for you and rose from the dead. And you will be brought into his kingdom, which is now and forevermore.